God's going to do something for you this morning. I don't want to jump ahead, but it's, it actually fits in quite nice. When we were worshiping, I just saw the sun rising to your darkness. You've been like in a dark place. You've been in a place of, um, I'm running it, but you'll get, you'll understand when I get to the end of my message. I just saw this vision where you've been in this bad place and the sun is rising. Amen. The sun is rising. Say the sun is rising. Sun is rising. Sun is rising. God is going to really start reawakening dreams, visions. Spiritual gifts is people that you've been operating in certain giftings, and it's like it just feels like it's dried out, and God is going to reawaken those spiritual gifts. Now, who wasn't here last week? Who watched live stream last week with Yaku when he was preaching? It was beautiful, good service, good service. And I kind of started scriptures right at the end. He read it again. And I'm going to kind of kick off from what he was saying, the scripture that he ended with. Revelation 21 verse 3. I heard a loud voice. So clearly loud voice means pay attention to this. So if you shout at your child, it's like, I'm being very serious right now. You know, you know, I'm like raising my voice to you, meaning that you better listen to me now. So that's not God, but I'm going to put it here. Loud voice. I heard a loud voice from the throne, from the throne. Now God's home. Okay. Can you put it for me in the NIV Bible? Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. So I'm going to write something down and I want you to respond to this. Imagine we really believe it. Imagine if we really believe this, what will we see and what will we experience? God is with us. He's not just with us when it all goes well. He's with us even when it doesn't go well. I think if we really realize this, we'll do things differently. We'll act differently. And I want you to write it down somewhere. It's like, God's with me. Last night I was praying and I said to God, you know, what are you going to do? He says, it's for me to know, for you to find out. I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> he says, oh God, I could do whatever I want to do. But what if we really, truly believe this? So I want you to hear this loud voice. He's saying to you, I am with you. I'm dwelling with you. I am with you. Luke 1, verse 67, 68, 69. Now, here comes Zechariah and Elizabeth. They couldn't fall pregnant. I don't know if you knew that Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron, and marrying a descendant of Aaron meant like you're really, really blessed. And if you had a child, that meant you were blessed by God. And they didn't experience that blessing. 
They didn't because she was barren. She could not fall pregnant. And here comes, and they used to pull lots to say, okay, you know, because if, if you had a little bit of sin inside of you and you went in that temple, you would die. <laughs> they will pull you out. You would die. I could just imagine Zechariah looking as like, oh, flip. <laughs> here they pull my lot. God, I hope I'm fine. But anyway, the story carries on. He ends up going into the temple and he, uh, he does the offering and the sacrifices, everything. But here an angel appears. And the angel tells him, you're going to be a father and you're going to be blessed. And it's very interesting that it, it kind of parallels with Abraham, Isaac, you know, that he couldn't fall pregnant. It's like quite incredible, actually, how it all parallels through. But it says, after he got the promise, then Zechariah starts prophesying. It says this. Now, Zechariah was filled with this Holy Spirit, empowered by him. And he prophesied, saying, Blessed, praised, glorified is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited he has visited us and brought us redemption to his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation prophesying about Jesus. Well, and John prophesying about Jesus. A mighty and valiant savior for us in the house of David, his servant. Now that visit word means to make an appearance in order to help. To make an appearance in order to help. Say, God's going to visit me. God's going to visit my household. And I really want to bring that through. We've been, Pastor John has been nailing the thing about visitation, visitation, Pentecost. You know, you've heard series of messages about visitation. I'm going to kind of carry on from this. Now, we all have had visitations from God. Each one here, you know, just getting saved. Just like, that's a visitation. Just like, oh, wow, that's you know, Jesus, what he did for me, you know. But there's certain things that happen when you have a visitation from him. And we should have continuous visitations with him. We should hunger. Say, God, I want more. I want another visitation. You know, and there's certain things that happen. One thing could happen is like God can restore your identity. We've had it so many times. People encounter Jesus. And like Pastor John had that baptism service and that, um, that woman that, think she was a man, um, got baptized, and God just visited her, and God restored her identity, you know, so visitation can restore your identity, a visitation from God can bring healing, it can bring restoration, and you can relate to some of this, you can relate where you had a visitation where God giving you direction, and just cleared up, like, this is where you're going to go with, with me, and that's what you're going to do with me, visitation can bring refreshing, a visitation where you can just be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you got filled, you can encounter Him. He reveals Himself to you. A visitation can mature your senses. Amen. It's amazing. Like when you have a visit, I've had it when you have a visitation with Him, and it's like He's just like you came to church or a conference. You got totally sloshed and zapped, and it's like oh we Jesus. You go home, and it's like they put the TV on. I don't want to watch TV. You know, I'm just hungry for Jesus, you know, you just hear him, and you feel him, and your senses, like all these spiritual senses, Paul speaks about it, like mature your senses, you know, and it's like, you just, these senses are so heightened, your spiritual senses are heightened, because you had an 
encounter with Jesus. You know, so, and it's amazing. The more you have that, the more you like, everybody cannot feel him. Like, I feel him <laughs> because he's with me. And because you've had series of encounters of visitations with him. And he wants to visit you even more. Another one, it, it can deepen your hunger for him. It can, it just drives you. It's like, I want more of you. You know, another thing I'm going to come in, I want to, I'm going to end with this. Whatever desert place you're in, a visitation can take you out of it. It might not change the situation, but it will change your perspective. It will change your attitude. It will change the way you see at it. You know, remember the day you got saved that your whole world changed around? But there's times when nothing changed around you. Your parents might still be the same, but you changed. <laughs> you started thinking differently. You started praying for them. That's still a desert time. That's still horrible or whatever the situation you might have had. But you changed. And there's times where God can, like, literally shift things around. But it doesn't always happen like that. Because it's after your heart and your character. Now, today, God is calling us to maturity. And He is about to visit you at whatever level you are in. If you might be in like, hallelujah, Jesus, believe it or not, you still will need a visitation with Him. <laughs> if you're in whatever, you still need a visitation from Him. It's amazing you look at before COVID, it's like now everybody's shouting revival. We've been praying and asking, like, we want more, you know, regardless of COVID. But, you know, you see it in people where it's like before COVID, it's like, oh, it's fine. Everything is fine, you know. You know, and again, you know, and it's like when COVID hit, it's like now people are crying out to God. Why didn't they cry out to God before? Why didn't they keep going for God before? It's good they're doing it now. <laughs> it's good they're shouting out to him now. But it's like even when it's going good, even when it's bad. Pastor John preached a service a while ago. It's like being consistent. Being continuously consistent. And just like, Jesus, more. Jesus, more. I want more. I'm not satisfied with this one encounter. This one, I want more. I want more. And you know, it's amazing. The more, as much as it affects you, it's for people. It changes you, but it's for a purpose, to touch people around you, to change lives around you. Wherever you go, you can change the atmospheres, and people can get healed and restored. Now, one thing I want to talk about, one of the points is to be mature. We as Christians and children of God have to talk differently we have to think differently. We have to do things totally differently. We have to act differently. People look at us and say, there's something about you. There's something about you that I like. When COVID hits, we shouldn't fall apart. We're like, Jesus, yeah, dad, this devil thing die. You know, it's like, we should not be falling apart. We should not be. We should be mature. It's like, God, okay, well, now I'm on lockdown. But I'm just going to go for God in this time. Now, I want us to quickly go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. In your thinking, be mature. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. 
1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Philippians 3 verse 12 to 15. Now that I have already obtained all these, now Paul is speaking here, or have already arrived at my goal, he pulls it, I haven't achieved it, but what I do, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do do, yes, Paul, that's like the saint of saints, you know, this man of God, you know. But what he says, what he encourages, I forget what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me, heavenwards, in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, all of us, like all of us, should then do this, who are matured, should take such a view of things. Such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. It's amazing they say grace is like a license to sin. If you think that, you are actually immature. If you think grace is a license to sin, you are immature and you don't understand grace. Grace will produce maturity. And the more and more we, we just, because it's like, I can do nothing but I can rely on Him. I, you know, it's I just relationship with Him. It will bring maturity. Grace produces maturity. Now, there were certain saints of old, and we don't, in our normal charismatic churches, we'll not talk about it. But the Catholic people, the Roman, or the Catholic church, not Catholic Church, they really believe and, and they know the history of what saints experience. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And there were certain saints that I think if they didn't have those experiences, we will not have church like we've got today. Yes. They were the foundation. They, later, they, they were persecuted. They were, you know, but there were certain saints, and I've asked Shireen to, um, I got the two saints that are, one of them I've known because of being at Spirit Word. And I want you to listen to it and be stirred in your faith. To say, God, if they did it, it's freaky some of the stuff they did. <laughs> and we don't talk about it in our churches because it's like, this is just too weird. You know, but it was literally supernatural. They stepped into a, a supernatural realm of maturity. And they shook nations. They shook Ireland. They shook Italy, St. Francis, you know, St. Patrick and even Mother Teresa, you know, we criticize them, but do you do what they do? Would you go into India and go spend with those bunch of children and love them and show the love of Jesus to them? Would you do that? These people that got a hunger for God and they do it. So Shereen's going to read about these two saints, and I want you to listen to it and be stirred, be stirred, get a hunger for more. 
Okay, so St. Francis of Assisi. Francis was born in Assisi, Italy in 1182. He grew up leading a privileged life as the son of a wealthy cloth merchant. Francis loved to learn and sing songs as a boy. His father wanted him to become a businessman and taught him about the French culture. About the age of 19, Francis went to battle against the nearby town of Perugia. Francis was captured and taken prisoner. He was held prisoner in a dungeon for a year before his father paid the ransom and he was set free. The one thing where St. Francis was in prison, he rededicated his life to Jesus. And on his way back from um, where he was captured, he saw a leper. And that time, because of St. Francis was this high and mighty, you know, royal guys. So imagine that kind of person walking, and now he's been captured. He sees this leper here, and he feels this overwhelming compassion for this person. Yeah. And, Jesus. Oh, but he sees this person, and he goes over to this person. It's like he, he doesn't want to, but he, he feels he's drawn to this leper. And he, he hugs this leper, and he kisses his leper. And when he did it, his love just came inside of him, and it changed his life. Amen. Amen. Over the next few years, Francis began to see visions from God, and that changed his life. The first vision was when he was sick with a high fever. At first, he thought that God had called him to fight in the Crusades. However, he had another vision that told him to help the sick. Finally, when praying in the church, Francis heard God tell him to repair my church, which is falling in ruins. Francis gave all his money to the church. His father became very angry with him. Francis then left his father's home and took a vow of poverty. As Francis lived his life of poverty and preached to the people about the life of Jesus Christ, people began to follow him. By 1209, he had around 11 followers. He had one basic rule, which was to follow the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in his footsteps. Francis was known for the love of nature and animals. I think that's awesome. I think because they don't talk back, hey? They have to listen. Could have been given authority over them. I'm joking. Good ministry to have, I think. <laughs> there are many stories about St. Francis and his preaching to animals. It is said that one day he was talking to some birds when they began to sing together. Then they flew up into the sky and formed the sign of a cross. It was also said that Francis could tame wild animals. One story tells of a vicious wolf in the town of Gubbio that was killing people and sheep. The people of the town were frightened and did not know what to do. Francis went to the town to confront the wolf. At first, the wolf growled at Francis and prepared to attack him. However, Francis made the sign of the cross and told the wolf not to hurt anyone else. The wolf then became tame and the town was safe. Amazing, eh? Francis became ill and spent the last few years of his life mostly blind. He died in 1226 while singing Psalm 141. He was declared a saint of the Catholic Church only two years after his death. 
interesting facts about St. Francis. I'm just doing what my boss told me to do, right? October the 4th is observed as a St. Francis feast day. It is said that he received the stigmata two years before he died. This was the wounds of Christ from the cross, including his hands, feet. I'm sure you, a lot of you have seen it. They get it on their hands and their feet when Jesus was crucified. Francis traveled to the Holy Lands during the Crusades, hoping to conquer the Muslims with love rather than war. Francis set up the first known nativity scene to celebrate Christmas in, in 1220. So it's not a pagan thing. All right. Hey. He did it. He believed that actions were the best example, telling his followers to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And that should be our life, just adding this in. I always believe that to get someone saved, you don't go preaching and pounding them with the word of God and throwing the Bible in their face. Because let me tell you, that's the last thing they will run away and never come back to God. Your life has got to be a testimony to them. You know, I believe with my in-laws, my life should be a testimony to them to see that there's something different and they want that. And that's what Francis believed. Your life has got to be a testimony. Then Jody just asked me to read about St. Bridget of Ireland. She was born in Dundalk in 450 AD. St. Bridget was the founder of the first monastery in County Kildare, so all these words, Ireland. Her father was a pagan chieftain of Linz. I did read this before, I promise. Thank you. And her mother was a Christian. St. Patrick inspired her to deepen her further and spread the word of God. She is a patron saint of Ireland. Okay. St. Bridget is also known as Mary of the Gael, and I'm not going to say the Irish version of that, <clears throat> or Our Lady of the Irish. She is one of the patron saints of Ireland, along with St. Patrick. When she was young, St. Bridget wanted to join a convent. However, her father took a firm stand and insisted that she marry the wealthy man he had promised her to. The story goes that she asked for God's help to take away her beauty so that the man wouldn't marry her. Hey? Her wish was granted. Her father caved in and she joined the convent. Not only did her beauty return, but apparently she was even more beautiful than ever. She called on God's help again to convince her father to give her the land of Kildara to set up a convent. Her father said that he would only give her as much land as her cloak could cover. With God's help, the cloak grew to cover acres of land. So, I mean, can you imagine, you know, you're in this little frock, you know, Papa, I want some land. Oh, well, I'll give you a little patch to stand in. And then next minute, I mean, this, this cloak just grows miraculously, covering acres and acres of land. And he's got to be a man of his word. So, so she got it. She got her convent. St. Bridget was by the sickbed of a dying pagan chieftain, possibly her father, soothing him with stories about her faith and her unwavering trust in God. She began telling the story of Christ on the cross, picking up rushes from the ground to make a cross. Before his death, the chieftain asked to be baptized. Initially, legend has it, people used to make similar crosses to hang over the door of their homes to ward off evil, fire, and hunger. Over time, word spread about St. Bridget. Her kindness, faith, and the making of the cross became synonymous with her, and the tradition now bears her name. That's awesome, eh? 
How beautiful is that? There's also some saints where they had such encounters with him that those days they used to cut the heart open. So if you went dead, they'll definitely die then. But uh, they used to take the heart out, and she literally had engraved the cross upon her heart. St. Francis of Assisi as well, he would, they used to put a rope around his foot that he would levitate and preach to the birds, and they would pull him down. <laughs> you know, It's supernatural, and church doesn't, it's, you don't hear about it. I really encourage you to go read it. It will stir your faith. Now, part of visitation, we should continuously maintain our walk with God. Continuously maintain our walk with Him. You know, it's like we live in a life now, everything is fast. You know, and we were talking a while ago about the dial-up router. Some people won't even know what that is. So it was kind of, that's tell my age a little bit. But anyway, it's like you remember, I remember that, cling, 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 cling. You know, now it's like 5G, you know, fiber. Everything is fast. Like, we want now. We want it now at this, like, everything, fast, fast food, fast internet, everything. But the kingdom is not about that. The kingdom is not about like fast, fast, fast. You know, there's times that God will come in and he will immediately do it. But it's like we should be faithful in what God has called us. We should be committed to what God has called us to do. Did you know even the early church, it was a given thing that you would get persecuted. It was a given. It was like, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, you're going to get persecuted. And they accepted it. They got stoned, not stoned, but they literally, <laughs> they got stoned, not on chocolate brownies or something, but they died, <laughs> you know. And we go through a little bit of thingy, and we fall apart. We stop coming to church. We stop reading our Bible. You know, what are you trying to do? You're just damaging yourself. You are just robbing yourself of what God wants for you. We should maintain our walk with God. Quite often we speak to people and it's like, if you look again, it's like, you don't see them in church. And then you find it's like, I said, go, now I've been going through some, so, so much stuff. It's like, well, why are you not in church? Why are you not in this environment? Yeah, you can come, you know, and God can say one thing and everything will turn around. Everything will change completely. You know, I really believe there's people that should be in this ministry that has prematurely left <laughs> because God's called them here. God's called them here. And I want to encourage you, even grow where you've been planted. If God's called you to here, you stick it through. You push through. We are people. We do stuff like you do as well. I'm being very serious. We human beings, we also make mistakes. A while ago, you know, people said, this is my church. This is my church. Okay. This is your church. Okay. Well, let's see how long it's lost. <laughs> really, that's how. Because quite often, it's like, this is my church. Okay. Well, okay. Then this is your church. Stick it through. Because God's after your heart. He wants you to grow. He wants to mature you. I had a guy a while ago, and if you're watching, good, come back to church. He, he says, this is my church. I said, okay, fine. I said, by the now, what's going to happen to you? Can I tell you what's going to happen to you? You're going to discover we love Jesus. 
We love revival. We love a move of God. You're going to discover those things. You're going to discover that we love the Word of God, you know? And you're going to discover all those things. But at the same time, your heart is going to be tested. One day, Pastor John or myself or whoever is not going to greet you. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff happening before this all happens, you know. And it's like, one day you're going to find somebody's not going to greet you. Then your heart is going to be tested right there. This is your church. Mm, yeah, this is your church. Are you going to push through? Are you going to allow God to grow you and mature you? Because he is after your character. He's after your heart. He wants you to mature. And he wants you to have this. And if you run away maturely, you're going to lose out on this. My church. Mm. Let's see. My church. And I want to challenge because the things that we see and we experience. If this is your church, you stick it through. You commit. You be faithful. If God's called you to a ministry, stick it through. Push through. One day at a guy, I counseled him. I'm hitting this point because I see it so many people are being robbed. They're robbing themselves from where God wants them to go. One day I was counseling a guy. He says, this is my church. Okay, fine. Well, why are you not in church? No, one day I was in our church and somebody prayed with me. And, well, I went over and I felt like somebody, I must pray for this person. And this person said, how dare you pray for me? And I said, and before our conversation, he said, I want to be a ministry. I said, oh, oh you want to be in ministry? And you got offended because somebody said, please don't pray for me. You know, they, God's busy with them. But at that moment, God's busy with you. And you want to be in ministry. You need to get a bit of a thicker skin, brother. You need to get a little bit of tough skin. Imagine Jesus on the cross if he got offended. Being crucified totally. He didn't deserve this. This is my ministry. Hmm. Well, let's see. I want to encourage you to push through. Keep drawing to God. You know, if you go through something, don't pull away from the body. Now, I'm going to go into my next point here. It's incredible. Feelings are an incredible servant. It's a terrible master. Feelings is an incredible servant, but a terrible master. Now, there is people here today, and even on live stream, if you've never experienced this, then you're not a human being. <laughs> but you're not a human being. We've all experienced desert times. And it's sad when people experience these at times, they run away from the church. They run away from the body. It's like, I remember it's spurred word. You would see, it's like people start, yeah, Jesus in front row. And then it's like life happens and then they start moving. Row back, row back, row back. You look again, they're out the door. <laughs> you know, it's like, why are you out the door? Why don't you just grow up and let God work with you? Let God mature you. Now, there is people here today. And I've experienced, we all experienced, we have experienced desert times. Now, the meaning of a desert, like, you know, desert is, is something that to become evening, it's a grow dark. It's amazing. It grows dark. And sometimes gradually it just grows dark and dark. It also, it's a place of depression. It's a place near the Dead Sea. The desert. 
And something I have discovered in my own life is that the longer you stay there, the harder it is to get out. You know, Israelites, something that should have been 11 days, 40 years, the longer you stay there, the harder it is to get out. Choose today, if you're going through a desert, choose today to get out of it. And there's different ways that I'm going to just put down here later on about how do we get out of it. So what are you going through? What desert are you going through? Now, I'm going to quickly, Exodus 15 verse 22. Yes, the Israelites, they're coming out of Egypt and they're hitting the Red Sea. And they go through this, yeah, God's delivering them from the Egyptians from Pharaoh, and they're going into a desert. And did you know that desert's name? There's different deserts in the Bible, and they've, they've got names. And they actually got meaning behind their names. And the meaning behind their names is quite interesting. And that one was a desert of, sure, okay. The meaning of that is a wall. They were hitting, after this deliverance, they were actually now in the desert of basically hitting a wall. They couldn't do anything but trust God. So let's say whatever you got, COVID, whatever, you can't do anything but trust God. Trust God. Another one, I want us to read this one quickly, Numbers 10, verse 12. Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai. And traveled from place to place until a cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran. That place there is where the law was given. We know from teachings the law produces death, condemnation, guilt, shame, that desert. The law was given, condemnation, guilt, shame. You can add to the list whatever you feel. Okay? Param means, <laughs> I love this, Jesus. And I want you, if you're going to a desert place, take this as a prophetic word. Really take this as a prophetic word. Paran means, I will show forth my glory, honor. If you're in this desert of condemnation, guilt, shame, God is going to start take. He's going to take you out of that, and it's going to show forth His glory. It's going to break through for you. Take it as a prophetic word today. It's going to take you out of that. He's putting you here. Jesus. Isaiah forty-three verse eighteen to nineteen says, "Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See." <laughs> See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Did you know there was different men of God? Believe it or not, they went through stuff. They had encounters with God in the desert. You don't have to, you don't have to go to the desert. You don't have to be there. But life happens. Sometimes you just find yourself there. You lack of finances or whatever. It might, you just find yourself there. 
But as a person itself, I don't have to go there. I can maintain this garden. I can mature this garden. I can keep, Jesus, I don't like this. Visit. I don't want to, I want a visitation with you. I'm drinking from this well of relationship with you and understanding who you are in me and I'm in you. And I don't have to, I'm not going there. But if you are there, it's amazing His grace. He's going to take you out of it. There was different men of God. Moses at the burning bush. He had a visitation in the desert. Elijah flees to Arab from Jezebel. Did you know even Jesus was tested in the wilderness? And did you know that Everything that the Israelites failed in, in the wilderness, Jesus came and fulfilled in the desert. He fulfilled everything they served their gods. You know, they were after them, mene, 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 whatever, you know. It was like, God was so gracious with them there. He was gracious. He was 40 years for them to turn. But anyway, yeah, Jesus comes and he fulfills it. I want to read something to you guys. And when I saw it the first time, I was quite interested in it. Jesus quite often actually withdrew to a lonely place. Some translations says even a wilderness. He withdrew himself from this situation. And he actually would go and pray. Now, James 1 verse 2 to 5. We were doing an assignment. I was writing something. And I read this, I'm like, okay, why are you speaking to me about this? Because this is Adar. <laughs> James is an Adar book. But it says here, James 1, verse 2 to 5, but God wants to mature us. Maturity, maturity. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you lack, if any, uh, you lack wisdom, you should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When I read this and I wrote it down, God said to me, <laughs> the way we deal with trials and tribulations will kind of show you where you are in your maturity. The way we deal with things will show actually how mature you are in Him. He is encouraging us to be joyful. You're in this, be joyful. For sure. Give me, ask for wisdom for me. So that, He says, you may be mature. So He's speaking about all the stuff, you, you know, you're testing and the you know, trials and, the, and, and, and that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. I mean, I'm like, oh, Jesus, sometimes I don't deal with things maturely. <laughs> yeah, some trial I hit sometimes, like, I'm not maturely dealing with this thing. It's a challenge for me. So I want to be a challenge to you. <laughs> How do you deal with these things? Your trials. Let's deal with trials maturely. With all the other things, let's be faithful. Let's be commitment. Let's be committed to not run away from church. And different ways we could also, get out of desert times. There's some practical things. Really awesome practical things. Start drinking. Amen. Amen. Start drinking. Start drinking from the well that's actually on the inside of you. 
John 7, 38, 39. Come to me, those who are thirsty. And rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost. Start drinking. That's how easy it is. Get alone with God. Say, God, I'm well in this now. And yes, maybe I've caused it. Doesn't matter. God's grace is sufficient for us. I need a visitation from you. Now, I'm really going to get practical with this. Your attitude. <laughs> Your attitude. Okay, I mean, this this. I've got to smile. Jesus, I've got to smile. I mean, I've got to show a good attitude. I'm getting through this. Your attitude. It's like quite old like people wear it. It's like, really, I hear you. I prayed with you. But if you just change your attitude, you'll find yourself, situation might not change, but you start changing and character gets, starts building on the inside of you. Stay connected to the body. Get a prayer partner. It's amazing also, get godly counsel. It's really practical. Get godly counsel. I find people sometimes, they're in this and it's like, the more you stay in it, the more comfortable you get with it, the more hard it is for you to get out of it. And it's like, you don't listen to any kind of godly counsel anymore. I was saying to Stace, my wife, the other day, I said, it's like almost, you get people that say, clearly your choices that you've made is not changing things around. So maybe you must get other people to talk to you and maybe give you some advice. Because you think you're smart enough that, I won't do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this. Well, it's not changing. <laughs> so maybe get some godly advice. Be teachable. Get some godly counsel. Pull into the body. So my goal for you today is to get this hungry for visitation with God. Hungry for glory. For more. Imagine you've got this fridge totally full of food. Full of food. Full of everything that you can think of. And you say, I'm hungry. And you open, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And it's like, it's there for you to eat. It's there for you to lavish in. You know, hunger, oh Lord Jesus, looks like something hunger looks like something Heidi Baker said this love looks like something and I want to say also hunger looks like something hunger and maybe I'm pushing this but hunger is pulling into the body hunger is reading your Bible hunger is prayer Hunger is just desiring for Him. So I want to, today, get hungry for more. Hear this loud voice. God is with you. You must hear sometimes Him and I speak. He'll be like, I said, Jesus, you're good. He says, I know I'm good. <laughs> I said, oh, whatever. You know, I, said, I, I, I desire those. I'll sleep sometimes at night, and as I start thinking of this morning, I, I start shaking. I'm like, oh, my wife did it. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to sleep further. You know, I desire it. Yeah, those saints, so those stepped in, desire for the more.
don't let this desert time, I don't even write it, rob you from having a visitation with the Father because He wants to visit you. He wants to encounter you. That's His desire to visit you. There's a time I want you to stand up. Now. Thank you. And I want you to say to yourself today, I'm getting out of this. I'm not camping in the desert here anymore. And God, you're going to give me wisdom to get out of this. You're taking me out of this condemnation, guilt, and shame. And you're going to start showing forth your glory to me. I need it. Father, for every person standing, even on live stream, we want to declare and prophesy right now that they're out of this place right now. We just take them out of this place of this loneliness of um, there's a time right now. And Father, thank you that they're going to experience you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that you've got them. You've got them. And Father, I pray in this time that they're going through, that they will just experience your unfailing, unconditional love right now. I remove every single condemnation, guilt, and shame right now. And I thank you that you're taking them out of this place and you're putting them in a place of prayer, of glory, glory, glory. I want to prophesy over you today that you're going to start encountering God. You're going to start seeing Him in dreams and visions right now. Things are turning around right now in Jesus' name. Your finances are turning around. Things are turning around right now in Jesus' name. A well is going to start bubbling up on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Let that river just bubble up on the inside of them. Let that river just bubble up right now. I want you to see that river just bubbling. I want you to see that river just come out of your gut, out of your innermost. Just picture this. Imagine this desert which you feel like you're in right now. The ground just cracking up right now. There's water just bubbling up on the inside of you. And just flowing all over you. Flowing all over your thoughts of your mind, of your situation. So right now, I want you to, if you hunger for more, I think all of us, all of us kind of stand. I want you to, we're going to stand and just, I want you to pray and just say, God, I want more. I want more. I want a visitation with Him. So I want you to all stand up and just, I want you to just get with Him and say, Jesus, I want a visitation. I'm overdue for a visitation with you. Say, God, come visit me. Come visit my household. Come visit my church family, my schools, just right now, let's just God, we want more Father, we want more 
Father, we want more.